Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. There's a new novel out right now by Dean Breyer. It's the second book in the Sect of the Healed Chronicles series. It's titled The Soth Initiative, Book Two, Fallout. Dean is sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Dean, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I look forward to our conversation today. As do I. Can you tell me what readers can expect in this book? Well, I try to describe the series as a cross between Dan Brown and Frank Peretti. Hmm. My style of writing is what I call what-if fiction, meaning that we combine a lot of historical archaeological facts as we travel around the world in this roller coaster ride. But we also put a lot of fiction in that lets people ask themselves, I wonder if that's really true. So I enjoy that kind of style of writing. Where did the inspiration or the idea for this come from? Corey, it was amazing. It just came to me one day. I was thinking in my quiet time about how interesting it might be if there were still relatives of the people Jesus healed. And, you know, would they have the story passed down family to family of the miracle that happened when their relative was healed? And then the thought came to me, I think it was from God, that what if those people were changed when Jesus touched them? What if their DNA was altered because of the miraculous healing? Some people even being raised from the dead. Would that DNA change be passed down to family members? And if it was, would that create some special gifts and talents that they might use? And so from that little seed of an idea, the book series was created, and it was just a roller coaster ride after that. I love the idea. Like you said, there are a lot of different things in the mix here. So what kinds of readers do you think would really be into this? Well, I think readers that want a kind of a chase around the world action book series with a redemptive thread running through it would be really interested in this. It's not a theology book, but it's not a you know R-rated book. It's a book that includes assassins and murder attempts and plot twists all through the book. It has a lot of action that is in real towns and real cities and real archaeological places, but it's coupled with that redemptive theme for all the people that are involved in the book. Dean, about how much time does it take to write and publish a book like Fallout? Well, it depends on the process. You know, the more accuracy that you want in giving the readers a content that creates interest and also lets them go on the Google search net and maybe find some of the places that are talked about, Mm. it takes time to research that. I think one of the challenges is when you're working full time to have the time or make the time to get in the writing mode or the writing mood is a real big challenge. So book one was written when I was actually between jobs, and then book two was finished during COVID. Hmm. It's interesting. I actually wrote a world pandemic in the book two four months before it was announced. Oh, it wow. just kind of came to me in book two. Wow. Now, before you took on the sect of the Healed Chronicles writing this series, Dean, have you ever done anything like this before? No, I've 
been a writer for years. I've written a lot of studies and blogs and taught in a lot of different venues as a medical device distributor. I've had to teach doctors how to do surgery. And so you learn a lot when you're teaching and when you're studying and writing outlines, you learn structure and content. But no, I've never been involved in writing a book where I had to keep the characters in order and the timelines in order and the whole process. And that's why I think that was really inspirational because the books kind of flowed out of me. And that whole process of plot development and character development just kind of came out of me naturally. Mm. How far out do you have this series planned, Dean? Well, I'm currently working on book three, and I want to see where it goes from there. So my plans are to complete book three sometime in the fall and be able to offer that to people for their wintertime reading. I think a lot of readers are going to love this book and this whole series. It's titled The Soth Initiative, Book Two, Fallout. It's part of the Sect of the Healed Chronicles series, and it's written by Dean Breyer. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing, and it's available everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Dean, I really appreciate you being on the show here tonight and telling me all about your work. I hope we can talk again. Thank you. I look forward to it. You can also go to my website, which is simply deanbriar.com, and you can download a sample of the book there. You can look at the awards the book has gotten there. You can read the blog that I've written there and get to know me a little bit better. So it's just deanbriar.com, and that'll get you there. Return to the Earth, Discovering the Origin, is the new adventurous novel in stores now by Ophelia A. Villanueva. Ophelia joins me right now to talk all about it. Thank you for being here at the Reader House Author Roundtable with me tonight, Ophelia. Well, thank you, Corey. Thank you for having me on. It is my pleasure. Can you tell me all about Return to the Earth, Discovering the Origin? It's part of the series of Volver a la Tierra. Right, right. Return to the Earth is about a very successful businessman from El Paso, Texas, that has dedicated his entire adult life to his empire. But unfortunately, through the process, he neglected his family. One day, he sends them out on a trip to Southern California, and just outside of Phoenix, his plane crashes, and he loses his entire family, including three small grandchildren. After that, he is totally devastated, like it's understandable, of course, you know, and he starts drinking again heavily and he makes a decision to return to his native land, which is deep in the jungles of the Yucatan in Mexico, land of the Maya. Hmm. There he discovers his true origin and his purpose, which is to save the world from an impending catastrophe. How does that sound? Sounds amazing. Where'd you get the idea for this, Ophelia? Well, actually, it was from a script. My late husband was a scriptwriter, and his idea was to make Return to the Earth into a movie. Hmm. Unfortunately, he died of COVID in way back in November of 2020. I'm sorry. And he never got to achieve his goal, you know. But all along, he would encourage me to write the novel because he said, I'm, I'm just not a no novel writer. I write scripts, you know. <laughs> so he kind of handed it over to me. Hmm. Have you ever done anything like this before as far as novel writing or publishing? Well, not really. Way back when I was in college, I was going up to uh, Western University over there in Silver City, New Mexico. I did write a short story. It was in Spanish, actually. It was called El Destino, which is the uh, destiny. It was basically about my life, and that's how I got started. And when my late husband, Carlos, when he read it, he was just amazed by it. And he said, you're a writer. <laughs> 
he just inspired me. You know, he inspired me to do that, you know, to keep writing. And I have a lot of short stories, but they've never been published. Ophelia, what kinds of readers do you think would really be into Return to the Earth, Discovering the Origin? I think anybody that's interested in adventure or perhaps the Mayan culture, aliens, time travel, redemption. Because the book is a lot about redemption, finding redemption. I love it. Like I said before, this is part of the Volver a la Tierra series. How many do you have planned out here? My husband's idea was to turn it into a trilogy. Hmm. And I have started part two and part three. So I'm hoping that I can finish them and, you know, like I said, turn them into a trilogy. I think it would be just a great idea. Because I think a lot of my readers, the comments that I've gotten back is that they feel like, oh, my God, it ended. You know, they're almost (laughs) sad that the book ended, you know. After all those years of hard work, what was it like, Ophelia, when you finally got that first hard copy in and got to hold it for the first time? Oh, my God, Corey, it was the greatest feeling in the world. It really was. I was so emotional. I held it in my hand, and I actually started crying. I really did. And I called my daughter. That was the first thing I could think of doing. (laughs) And my daughter, right away, she said, Mom, just come over. She said, come over, and we'll talk about it. I was just so emotional. It was the greatest feeling in the world, you know. Mm. I felt so accomplished, but at the same time, it was kind of sad that I couldn't share it with my husband, you know. Ophelia, when you sit down to write new material, do you have the whole thing outlined? Do you usually know how things are going to end and how they'll go in between? Or do you start maybe with an idea and go with it from there? Yes, I, I usually just start out with an idea and I start jotting out different thoughts that I have. And once I have accumulated a bunch of ideas and thoughts, and then what I do, I organize them. But I usually know what I want. I know how I want it to start. I know the middle part and I know the end. It's just a matter of organizing it. You know, you just have to keep going. You just cannot stop. That's what I found that is so important. I think a lot of readers are really going to love this book and this series. It's titled Return to the Earth, Discovering the Origin. It's part of the Volver a la Tierra series, and it's written by Ophelia A. Villanueva. It's published by Fulton Books, and of course you can find this everywhere. Pick it up at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ophelia, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about this book. I hope we can do this again sometime. Thank you so much, Corey, for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity to get the word out that it's an amazing book. Sitting down with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Gerald Inman. Gerald, thank you for being here with me tonight. Hey, thank you for calling. I'm so excited to tell Reader House Author Roundtable about my third book, Forest Prayer. Indeed, the name is Forest Prayer. It's out there in stores right now. So can you tell me what it's about, Gerald? Yeah, Forest Prayer is about a little boy growing up and older while looking for the Lord. Jerry is a protagonist. He's not necessarily Gerald. And he's also infatuated with the woods and the wildlife. Thus, the title of the book, Forest Prayer. To tell you just a little bit, he starts out with two mentors that I like to call his main most characters. And one is his grandfather, who's a Baptist preacher. The other is his great uncle, his grandfather's brother. And he's a logger that the blue boy goes to work for. And he pres- he's an agnostic, so he presents the other side of life. So Jerry's here from both sides. When they die off, Jerry continues to struggle to try to escape the worldly perspectives on everything during Vietnam and forest school and work with the Forest Service all over the country. But he comes up with a good Christian wife. He becomes your soulmate. And what kinds of readers did you have in mind when you were writing this? Who would you say is your target audience here? 
Thanks for asking that question. Whether people are saved sinners or just folks I wish to become my Christian sibling, as far as prayer will be entertaining and educational for all of them, I think. Since I wrote it as a Christian ministry, I hope it reaches anybody who needs to learn the good news of the gospel. You know, I, I took to heart the uh, good book's direction not to take anything away from the Word or add anything to it. But I, by incorporating my experiences for se- over my 76 years of, of awesome life, I've twisted and tweaked many of my own experiences into being more interesting, more humorous, more dramatic, more horrible than they really were, sort of to make a parable, you know, like the Bible has some these sorts of parables. So in my unique genre of faction, it's, it's going to be a fun read for anybody. Mm. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product, you know, after that time and hard work that you put into writing a book. Gerald, what was that moment like for you when you got the first copy and got to hold forced prayer in your hands for the first time? Oh, well, the first one, let me go back to the first one. The first one made me, I thought I was a big child when I got it in my hand. But then I realized mm-hmm. without marketing, nobody knew who I was. But mm-hmm. for this third one, for prayer, I recall the way it hit home, how much I hated marketing. And I, you know, I like things like this interview and I love giving readings, but Seriously, if, if you want a bullet statement, I'll put Forest Prayer up against anybody's book. Hey, if you'll let me prove that to you, I offer right now to give you a one-page reading from Forest Prayer. Are you getting? Absolutely. All right. Here's the beginning of one of the chapters, about halfway through the book of Forest Prayer, and the name of it is Forestry School. It's when Jerry's just old enough now to go off to Forestry School. Trying to rationalize my usual kind of thinking, it stood to my reasoning that God might just want some of us to become bivocational foresters and wildlife biologists. After all, he did arrange that first unforgettable encounter in Eden to have the first man on earth deal with an apple tree and a serpent, not to mention a woman. Nevertheless, I'm sure I should have known myself well enough not to be frolicking very far from the forest school back 40. I could have been fulfilled out there searching for some kind of Jacob's Ladder tree to climb. But, oh, no, I decided to give the old Satan snake some slack instead of a good slaying at my first opportunity. It encouraged me to follow others. I should have remembered Romans where it says not to copy the behavior of customs of the world, but to let God transform us by changing the way we think. If anybody there had really known me, they'd have known the fraternity scene wasn't going to be my thing, but surely this one was going to be different from the others. After all, it was at least an agriculture and forestry fraternity. So I let old Lucifer's minions talk me into checking it out. Little did any of us realize my first and last one-time encounter with such a social line experience such as this affair was going to produce such a classic joke, much less flourish into full-fledged forestry folklore. You see, our assignments of blind dates for the evening would come by way of withdrawing the common names of trees from a hard hat, determining who'd be randomly matched with who from nearby Mississippi State College women. The young ladies would draw those trees corresponding scientific names from another hard hat. It all sounded like a great plan to me at first. While the scientific names were Latin-like, no one was expecting the girls' pronunciation something to be very good. To find their dates, they would just call them out as best they could. Bless their little hearts. When my name came, I drew pitch pine from my hard hat. And with the scientific name of Pinus Regatta, I guess I should have known my date would be running around the room inquiring, who's got the penis rigid? I think a lot of my listeners are going to want to check out this book. The title is Forest Prayer. It's written by Gerald Inman and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere. Grab it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Gerald, thank you again for joining me here today, telling me all about Forest Prayer and all your other work. I really enjoyed our time. Well, thank you. I did, too. 
Author Jonathan Brown emphasizes the importance of instilling important teachings in children's minds that will last a lifetime in his new book, As I Get Older, I Must Not Forget. I'm really happy that Jonathan's right here with me now to tell me all about it. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. It's exciting. This book is out in stores now for everybody. So can you tell me all about it? Yes. This book is about a young boy, myself, being taught by my parents, teachings and stuff. And and then as I get older, I don't want to forget them. And I incorporate them and implement them in everyday situations in life. Hmm. What kinds of readers did you have in mind when you were writing this? They were more of children. Also, you know, it could be preschool, kindergarten, grade school, and even for parents, Mm. because parents can also be reminded to teach their kids on a daily basis things that can help them as they grow older. Jonathan, can you go back and think about how you were inspired to write this, where you got the idea? I derived inspiration for writing this book from from myself. I was stimulated to do something creative on this magnitude because I have two precious, wonderful children who push me every day to be my best. Mm. So when I see them smile, when I see them frown, when I see them have good and bad days, I know that I have to be a light for them and help them navigate through this thing called life. They inspire me to be a better father, teacher, and even role model. Mm. Have you ever done anything like this before, Jonathan? Have you ever been published? No, this is my first published book. Congratulations. How long did this one take you to do? Thank you. It, it took all in all about a year and two months, about 14 months. What was it like then whenever you finally got that first hard copy in, you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? What was that like for you? Wow. The feelings that I experienced when I first was able to hold my own published book in my hands was a sense of accomplishment. I was well pleased. I was humbled proud of myself. I was also stunned because I had a surreal feeling like this is my book. I was highly amazed and I felt that I put something valuable out into the world. Hmm. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of publishing your first book, Jonathan. So do you have any advice now that you could offer to the aspiring authors out there? Run your race. When you are ready to do it, then do it. And to always know that you can. And when I say that, I mean, you can do it. You can write a book, and you never have to think that you can't do something. Set the goal and execute it. And lastly, be patient with yourself. There is no rush. Jonathan, what are the chances that we'll be seeing more published from you in the future? The chances of me having another book in the future is pretty high. Hmm. The probability is real high right now. I have plans to write and publish another book, a continuation of this one. I may also do a biography or even autobiography. But I plan to have a part two to the, as I get older, I must not forget. But this time it will show my children grown up and teaching their children Christian practices that they can utilize in everyday life. Because we are always going to be in situations and circumstances, both good and bad, where we can use the biblical teachings, talk to us and apply it. So yes, I hope to be writing another book. Yes, sir. Wonderful. When you look back over it all, Jonathan, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author now? The most rewarding aspect I experienced was that I faced great obstacles and that I could still reach and obtain goals. Mm. So the chances to share the message of my book, becoming an author, was an intrinsic reward for me. It was an internal achievement. Were there people in your life who inspired you when it comes to your writing, especially as I get older, I must not forget? Honestly, I'll say it was myself, but I was inspired by different books. And what I mean by that is the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible inspired me a lot. 
to have this book published because of life experiences and the teachings and, and my faith in God. This book has a wonderful message, and I know a lot of people are going to want to read it. It's called, As I Get Older, I Must Not Forget. It's written by Jonathan Brown, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this one up everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Jonathan, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about your writing. I had a really nice time tonight. Me too. Thank you. The church is made up of people from all sorts of backgrounds, and author Rufus McDowell Jr. focuses on the discipleship and training of what he sees as an underserved group of believers. In his new book, how to Conduct Discipleship Training, Transforming Christians with Prior Drug and Alcohol Dependence. Rufus is right here with me now to tell me all about it. Rufus, thank you very much for joining me here tonight. Oh, thank you very much, Curry, for having me. This is great. This book is out in stores. Sounds really important. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, this book is resultant of my doctor ministry research project that I conducted during my doctor ministry degree program. Hmm. I was a pastor in the Salvation Army in Birmingham, Alabama, and I did research regarding people with prior drug and alcohol dependence because we service a lot of people with drug and alcohol dependence. And so I found that there was not a definitive manual to help people, leaders, to conduct discipleship training. So I came up with this project. And is this the first time you've ever done anything like this when it comes to writing and publishing? Yes. The actual publishing was something that I had dreamed about really about 20 years. Mm. And so I kind of like was writing things down. And so when I pursued my doctor ministry degree, that provided me the opportunity to really publish the book. Rufus, there's nothing like seeing that final product in, the finished product that you worked on for so long. So what was that feeling like when you finally got that first hard copy in and you got to look at it? It was really a wonderful feeling and experience because I felt then at that point that I had something to really share with the body of Christ, with other Christians. And so I began to think about ways that I could integrate myself into a church ministry, especially discipleship. So the book, the hard copy, really gave me an opportunity to start evangelizing and working with other ministries. Do you think we'll see more books published from you then in the future? Yeah. My ministry actually is You Have Victory in the Word Ministry. In fact, this book was the first book, but I also wrote a book, a subsequent book called You Have Victory in the Word, helping people to overcome difficulties in their lives, such as worry, hurts, pains, failure, brokenness, anxiety, depression, disappointment. So this is part of my series. Uh, I plan to write another book real soon. I plan to publish a book called Promises in God's Word. Rufus, a lot of people listening right now are authors who want to put their first book out there, too. Do you have any words of advice you could offer them? Yeah. I think that Christian Faith Publishing is a great place to start. Mm. I would encourage a person to just write and not be afraid of the editing, the format, because Christian Faith Publishing, they really help with that. I encourage anyone that would like to be an author just, just to write things down and just work with it. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. You can do it. It's great advice. When you look back over everything, Rufus, over all the hard work and time that you put into this, now what's the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author now? Well, the most rewarding thing is being able to share the gospel with people. 
to help people, pastors and leaders and the layout of the church, to help them to gain dynamics, to work with this group of people, because there's several Christians that are born-again believers that has had a problem with drug and alcohol. Mm. And that's near and dear with my heart, because I was a drug addict. I abused alcohol throughout my life. And so this is an opportunity to share my victory over these strongholds of drug and alcohol. In your opinion, Rufus, why is there such a gap in training when it comes to Christians with prior drug and alcohol dependence? Well, I think the gap is that the loyalty of the church, the people of the church, the congregation, they really don't understand the problems that people face with drug and alcohol. I think you really have to have some type of training in that. Mm. I think people feel like, from my experience, I believe that Christians that want to integrate themselves into the church after they went through rehabilitation programs, they kind of feel judged mm. because they feel like they're stigmatized that they're bad people. But they're not bad people because they ha- they just have problems. And I think that the church is sometimes insensitive to the people that are dealing with drug and alcohol abuse. I know this book is going to help out a lot of people, and I encourage my listeners to check this out. It's titled, How to Conduct Discipleship Training, Transforming Christians with Prior Drug and Alcohol Dependence. It's written by Rufus McDowell, Jr., and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Pick this up everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Rufus, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your book and your really important work here. I really appreciate you and hope we can talk again sometime. Well, thank you very much, Curry. I look forward to talking with you about the next book. I'm really happy to welcome back to the show author Gisela Bangford. Gisela, thank you for joining me once again. Thanks, Corey. It's good to talk to you. It's really great to talk to you. You've had an exciting time here. I understand that you've won an award for your first book for Wolfie's Adventure and Unlikely Friendship. So first of all, I just wanted to extend my congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. It's very exciting. (laughs) Indeed. Absolutely. You got another one out. It's brand new, hit stores. It's called Wolfie's Adventure Away From Home. So can you tell me what Wolfie's doing in this one? Yes. Uh, Away From Home is the continuing adventure of Wolfie the Rat and Faith the Red Shoulder Hawk. It's their inspiring journey into uncharted terrain along the coast, encountering many new animals. Some are friendly, some not so much. It teaches empathy and courage and that everything is possible if you put your heart into it. I love that message. What sorts of age range of children do you think would get the most out of it? It is for children from six to nine years old. The story is unique as I pose questions to the reader and listener to engage them, make them think about it, and not just consume the story. Now, this is your second book in Wolfie's series here. Do you find the writing and publishing getting easier for you? Yes. The writing is still very exciting. Mm. I don't, never struggle with come up with an adventure. It's to get your book out. It's the harder part. Because you're kind of a tree in the woods. People need to see that tree. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Have you thought about what Wolfie's doing next? Do you have more books planned out? Yes. My third book is almost finished, as it is kind of a trilogy. I'm using real-life events, and the animals' behavior are factual. I try to wave that in in a funny way that kids actually learn about the wild animals. 
and get excited and can show some empathy toward animals in general. It is my passion. And I love the positivity to your message. You know, there's so much out there that can just bring it down. And your writing seems to be a beacon of light, especially towards children. That's so important to be encouraging that way. Yes. Children are so inspirable. I got inspired by my granddaughter, mm-hmm. Cameron. She told me during the pandemic that I should write the story down. And to watch their curious faces, their giggles, their unfiltered views, and listen to their great questions alone are so inspirable and contagious. When you sit down to write, you said you don't have really any trouble coming up with ideas. How do you find the ideas? How do you find out what you're going to write about next? It's life presented actually almost every day. You go out and you observe things and then you think, hmm. And that could be part of a story or look at your own life and events and, you know, connect that. Mm. Gisela, a lot of authors have trouble even getting started because they're afraid of what others might think of their work. How do you get past that, knowing that you're putting your stuff out there and not everybody's going to like it? Well, I really address children as they, like I said, they're so untainted, unfiltered. Many times when they answer the questions, it's nothing what I expected because it's so fresh and it's just, I love doing what I'm doing and I'm not so worried what other people might think. Some will love my book, some not, but that's life. Gisela, what do you find the most rewarding about writing and publishing, putting your work out there for the world and especially for children? It's the smile on their faces. They're attending, curious, and to interact with children when I do readings. I absolutely love that. Mm. One of my favorites. I know a lot of readers, a lot of children are really going to love this book. It's titled Wolfie's Adventure, Away from Home. It's written by Gisela Bangfort and is published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can grab this anywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and Google Play and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Gisela, it's been wonderful talking with you here again. Thanks for talking about Wolfie's next adventure, and I can't wait to hear about the next one after this. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for having me, and stay safe and have fun. I'm really happy that right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm chatting with author Rochelle Phillips. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, and I imagine you're doing well as well because you have a new book out in stores right now called The Adventures of AJ. Can you tell me all about that? Well, it started out as a school project for my daughter. She came home with some spelling words she needed to make a short story from, so I loved to write, so I asked her to help, and she said, yes, no problem. And, you know, after that, you know, we wrote the story, and she turned it in. A teacher, of course, said she knows she didn't write it, (laughs) but she gave her a good grade anyway, so after that, you know. Rest is history. <laughs> what gave you the idea to publish it? I was sick in the hospital, you know, and they said I only had a little while to live. So wow. they asked me what's my greatest fear. And I told them I need to leave something, you know, a legacy behind for my daughters. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned the book and they said, well, hey, we'll get it published. And so I got it published when I got out the hospital. Oh, and by the way, that was in 2020 when they said I only had a little while to live. So God has the last word. So that's why I'm still here. That was over almost two years ago. Wow, I'm so glad you pulled through. What age range of children do you think would be most into this? From, say, 5 to 11. 
Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or being published? It's my first time being published. Hmm. I've been trying to write a novel about, you know, how you uh, explain to a little child why Jesus died the way he did. Hmm. So I've been trying to work on that. And I'm almost through with that. Just got a lot of poems written, like 200 poems I need to get published. Hmm. You know, Christian poems, poems about basically anything. So, you know, I just love to write. Yeah, I can tell. Now, The Adventures of AJ is a really personal book for you, Rochelle. So what was that moment like when the first copy came in and you got to hold it for the first time? I'm still processing. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm still processing. But, you know, every time I look at it, I say, wow. <laughs> you know, mm. see my name in print. So I'm still processing, but it feels great, to be honest with you. I need to get a couple of more done, make him feel better. <laughs> <laughs> the illustrations are so important in children's books. What was that like for you? Ooh, that was a hard decision because I never really thought about doing anything like that. But after, you know, after I started doing it, I, I got off in that too as well. Mm. So I love the illustration part. I don't know if I can improve on that, but, you know, <laughs> I just love it the way it's illustrated and everything. Mm. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of publishing your first book, Rochelle. So what advice would you have now for authors who are just starting out and want to do the same thing? Just give it a try. Of course, you're going to make mistakes along the way. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. You know, just put it down on paper and look at it and see what, you know, other people think about it. That's what I did. You know, I got other people's opinion and everybody liked it. So that's, that's what got me started. Don't be afraid to be disappointed. and put it that way. You know, everybody's not going to like your work. Of course, everybody didn't like it. But like I said, you know, God has the last word, so I got it done. And Lord willing, we get some more book, books published. When you're writing, Rochelle, do you find that it's easy most of the time, or do you encounter things like writer's block? From time to time, I get the writer's block, but most of the time it just flows. I just start writing, comes right on out. Then I get to writing, especially like the poems, you know, I get to write and say, wow, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you do then whenever you sit down, you want to write, but you get writer's block. No words are coming out. How do you get them going again? Just sit down with a pencil and start doodling. Hmm. <laughs> Eventually, those sentences will come together, and I say, okay, here we go. Don't be afraid to put your ideas on paper and put that way. So that's where it started, you know, a bunch of little sticky notes and stuff. When you write, do you like to write at a certain time and place, maybe late at night or early in the morning? Or do you find yourself writing kind of whenever you're inspired and the ideas are coming to you? Basically, that's it. Mm. Whenever the idea hit me, I ride the bus sometimes and the idea hit me. That's why I had to get the sticky notes or something. Mm -hmm. you no, know, so I could just, where I'm at, no matter where I'm at, I have to, and I'd write a sentence on a piece of paper, and then once I sit down and really look at it, you know, ideas will just get to flowing. Mm. Well, I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's called The Adventures of AJ. This is written by Rochelle Phillips, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can jump online and grab this at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, it's been wonderful having you on the show tonight, Rochelle. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you for having me. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting down with author Beth Jester. Beth, thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. I wanted to say congratulations for the new book you have out in stores right now. It's titled, We Live with Nana and Grandpa. Can you tell me about it? Sure, I'd love to. My husband and I have been raising our grandchildren for the last seven years, and I was in search of a book to try to help them understand our household and how they were being raised, and I couldn't find anything. So I decided that this was a good thing to write to help other children feel that they were not alone in the way they were being raised. 
Hmm. Is this the first time you've written or published? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Did We Live With Nana and Grandpa take you a long time to write and put through the publishing process? It actually did take me a long time. Initially, I wrote it pretty quickly based on our family's life. It's written from the child's perspective, my granddaughter. But it took me a while because if you're raising grandchildren, it's easy to forget because I'm a grandparent age, how much physical time it takes. Mm. And would you say this is best for families with younger children or a little bit of older children? I would say young children. The two characters in the book, based off of my two grandchildren, are age three and five, which is when I began writing it. They're now seven and nine. I would say younger children, nine and under. Mm -hmm. Beth, this being your first time publishing, and after all that hard work, what was that moment like for you whenever you got the first hard copy and you got to hold it for the first time? Oh, very exciting. I mean, it finally had come to fruition, and it was a relief and excitement all at once. Wonderful. I'd assume you learned a lot along the way, Beth. So do you have any words of advice that you could offer to authors who are just starting out? Hmm, I would say research many different companies if you want to go with a company to assist you since you're brand new at this. Or if you would like to self-publish, which I feel as though I've learned enough, I probably could self-publish now. Didn't feel confident in the beginning. Just do a lot of research and talk to as many authors as you can. That's great advice. So looking back over the whole thing, Beth, what to you is the most rewarding aspect of being a published author now? Well, for me, what will be most rewarding is hearing what people have to say after sharing it with their families, particularly mm. grandfamilies. I was in a meeting this morning on Zoom with two other grandmothers about an upcoming conference that we're going to be in, intergenerational conference, and they both had received the book last week and told me how they loved it And while reading to the grandchildren because this is exactly why I wrote it, because it made the children feel so normal in the way they were being raised. They did everything all the other children do, and yet they're being raised by grandparents who love them. Mm, that's so important. Yes. What happens when the writing got tough? Maybe you felt like writing, you had something to say, but you didn't know where to go with it, or maybe you had writer's block. Nothing was coming out onto the page. How did you get through things like that? Well, I just wrote it, and when I was completed, I decided it would be best for me to reread it and try each time to, as best I could, to read it with fresh eyes. And there were things that I decided to change or improve or remove or add. I wanted to be as thorough with my thinking about this book as I could be. Mm. In children's books, the visual element is very important, the cover, the illustrations. Beth, can you tell me about the thought that went into that? That was one of the reasons it took so long to do the book, is my original illustrator had illustrated other books. I was very pleased with her. And she was pregnant and had difficulty in the pregnancy and had to step out. Oh. So then I had to start over again with a new person. So I found a person locally that lives in my town, quite a town. I was very pleased with her. So she illustrated the book for me. It did take a long time because I found out that what was going on in my head wasn't always communicated as clearly to her as I should have been communicating it. And then we learned to be in sync, which was good. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from it. It's titled, We Live with Nana and Grandpa. It's written by Beth Jester, and it's published by Covenant Books. 
Of course, you can pick this up everywhere, online, grab it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and you can also get it down the street at your local bookshops. Well, Beth, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about this book. I had a wonderful time talking. Thank you. I as well. You have a great day. Even the Butterflies Died of Grief. That's the new book. It's out right now, written by Terrence Patrick McGowan. And Terrence is right here with me now to chat about it. Terrence, thanks for joining me here tonight. Oh, my pleasure. What's great that Even the Butterflies Died of Grief is out there everywhere in stores now. So can you tell me what this is all about? Well, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give the plot away, okay? Because I think it has a lot to it. I, I know I'm prejudiced. I wrote it. But I don't want to give the plot away. It's a story really about how fear is the opposite of love, mm-hmm. not hate. And two individuals, two teenagers, they discover they, they're rooming together. They, one was adopted into the other one's family, and they're living together. And they discover at some point in time that they feel love for each other, and they're confused. They don't know if it's gay love or brotherly love. And that's kind of where the book explores that. Mm-hmm. Where did the idea for this come from? Well, believe it or not, it came from a dream. Hmm. I woke up in 2011 with that title in my head, and I thought, okay, the universe wants me to write a book about this. So that's why the title is what it is. Hmm. At the time, I didn't know what, quite what to write, but I knew that I'd be patient and it would come to me. And a few years later, all of a sudden, I had both conversations with others and experiences that gave me the plot. Hmm. Was there a certain readership you had in mind for this? You know, I was writing just to write. Hmm. I like to write. This is my second book. Hmm. I wrote about my experiences in Afghanistan as well. But I think it's really meant for, I'll tell you what, I was reading it to a friend of mine who was an older guy, he was in his 70s, and I read it to him and I said, guys like you need to read this. Mm-hmm. It explores the societal taboos that keep everybody locked in. Mm-hmm. I mean, why couldn't these two boys be normal and love each other? Why couldn't they? And that's kind of the essence of the book. Mm. Did this take you a long time to write and put through the publishing process? It took a long time, yes. Mm. I mean, like I said, this is my second book. The first book was about Afghanistan. It was about my experiences over there. And that was easier because I worked off of emails that I sent to people. That became my my guideline. Mm. But this one was purely coming out of creativity. I have a lot of dialogue in it, a lot of description. A lot of what's in the book is real. Mm. That is to say, the dialogue is real, the descriptions are real, and the overall background is real. Now, other than that, it's fiction. But yeah, it took a long time to write because... When I write something, I typically go back to the beginning every time I sit down and I write it again. I sent it off to people and said, what do you think? What do you think? And I incorporated some of their suggestions. I also would write it on my computer and I'd print it out. To me, it reads differently on paper than it does on on a screen. Hmm. But, you know, that's me. And I just kept making corrections and subtly changing things until it was the way I wanted it to be. Hmm. Terrence, can you talk about that moment when you got the first finished physical copy in your hands and you held it for the first time? What was that like? Well, I liked it, of course. I really think it's going to do well because I think the universe wants it. Mm. I think there's a lot of people out there that need to read it. I think there's a lot of kids out there that need to read it because they're not sure. They're questioning themselves. and They need to read it so that they know they're okay. And their parents need to read it so the parents don't know that they're okay. I think over time, it's going to do that. I think this particular book might make a good movie. Mm. The first one I wrote would not. It's just, just too limited. My experiences in Afghanistan, nah, I could make a movie out of that. But this book could be a movie. Who knows? Maybe it get picked up and disseminated that way. Have you considered maybe doing a follow-up to this one? I want to write again. I, you know, I, I love writing. Mm. Right now, I'm trying to come up with a theme. I'm trying to come up with something else I can write about. This book does not lend itself to a series. Mm. I mean, when the story ends, the story ends. There's no picking it up. But I'm, I am trying to come up with something I can write about again. A lot of listeners right now are writers who are just starting out. So, Terrence, do you have any advice that you could offer them to get them going? Well, yeah. Just keep reading your stuff. 
Just mm-hmm. keep going back to the beginning and reading it through. It's going to seem different every time you do it. And you're going to see things and make subtle changes every time. And you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. With the first book, I was in touch with a published author. I said, you know, every time I sit down, I change it. He says, every author does that. Mm-hmm. And he had just read the manuscript and he said, it's ready. Send it to a publisher. And that's the way that this, this time I just did it myself. I decided it was ready and had it published. Mm. For those who are struggling through writing, it is a struggle, but it was very rewarding for me. I tell you what, I'll be honest. I actually cried <laughs> when oh. I read my own book. Mm. And I'm thinking, why am I crying? I wrote this. I could change this. I can make the ending different. I, I, why am I crying? <laughs> but I choked up. To me, the story just was just so compelling. Wow. Terrence's book is titled, Even the Butterflies Died of Grief. It's written by Terrence Patrick McGowan, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Pick this up everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Terrence, thank you again for coming by the show and chatting about even the butterflies died of grief. I hope we can do this again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Coretta McGlashan. Coretta, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, it's really great to have you here on the show, Coretta. I wanted to congratulate you on having your new book out in stores called Extraordinary Goose Wants a Waddle. Can you tell me all about it? Well, this book is all about characteristic traits and morals, and it's a fun, enthusiastic book. It's all about bringing out the gifts and the talents that's inside of you and not searching for it through someone else's eyes, knowing that each and every one is special in their own unique way. I am very, very ecstatic about this book. Well, that's wonderful. What sorts of readers did you have in mind when you wrote this? More so the young and the young at heart. We all tend to have a little childhood inside of us. It doesn't matter our age group. Mm -hmm. It's more for elementary. And there are some moral lessons inside of it for middle school, high schoolers, and even us who are adults. Sometimes we overlook the inner abilities that we each establish within ourselves. And we miss the mark that God has given each and every one of us to to come and shine. Mm. This book really gives that pointer that, hey, I don't need to see myself through someone else's eyes. I can make a mark in this world alone just to be special and to use my gifts for the positive. I love it. Coretta, where did the idea for this come from? I started writing when I was younger much, much younger. My mom, when she was alive, she always encouraged me to try my best to give a mark on someone else. My parents were pastors Hmm. and we always had children all around us. So growing up, it was very impressed on us to be positive and to also let our talents be used for the glory of God or just to let it be used for good. And so it grew with me as I grew up. Hmm. Did it take you a long time to do, to write, and then get published? No, it did not. It did not. Like I said, I always write when I was from I was younger. And during COVID, when COVID hit, I was like, you know what? I'm home. I'm an educator right now. I had extra time. And it took me literally two months to finish the book. Is this the first time then you've done anything in the way of publishing? Yes. 
I have published at a private school that I was teaching. I published small manuscripts for our curriculum and for our substitute plan for substitutes that would come in and cover for teachers who were absent or taking leave of absence. But this is my first authored published material, and I am very happy about it. Well, congratulations. That is something to be really happy about. Coretta, what was that moment like when you got the first hard copy in your hands and you got to hold it? What was that like for you? Oh, my goodness. It was sparkles. It was butterflies. It was (laughs) tears. It was mixed feelings because I wanted to share that moment with my mom. And fortunately, she's not with us here any longer. So it was a bittersweet moment. Yes, but I got to share it with my father. At least one of them was here to enjoy that moment. So that's the greatest part about it. That's wonderful. Coretta, what advice would you have to our listeners who are authors just starting out? Research. Research, research, research. Mm. Fortunately, I had some great influences and mentors in my life. They're also publishers and editors. So I would say don't give up. It gets frustrating because I went over my manuscript like 20 times or more just to ensure that I was putting out something that lasting, meaningful, and something that will make a difference in our young people today and even the young at heart. And so I would say strive to be your best, your best. That's great advice. Thank you. I think a lot of my listeners would really enjoy this book. The title is Extraordinary Goose, Once a Waddle. It's written by Coretta McGlashan, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this book everywhere, online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Coretta, thank you for joining me here again tonight. I had a really nice time finding out about Extraordinary Goose, Once a Waddle, and hope we can talk again soon. Sure. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.